Newcastle Live Radio. As we've been talking most of the morning, the federal budget was handed down last night and the $55 million in funding for the upgrade and expansion of Newcastle Airport's International Passenger Terminal has been confirmed, which is fantastic news. Joining me now is the Newcastle Airport CEO, Dr Peter Cock. Good morning and congratulations. Good morning. Yeah, no, it's an amazing. It's amazing to get that confirmation in the budget. It's really great. It was great, wasn't it? It's not forward estimates. It's actually in the budget. That's right. And there's no whether they got elected or didn't get elected and all that sort of stuff. So now, and, and it's we're going to get 15 million this year and 40 million the year after. So we know when that's coming. So yeah, no, it's really it, it's such an essential bit of a piece of the puzzle that it's um, great to have that locked away. It really is. Peter, what's the timing looking like? I know we've got the uh, the runway being worked on. What's the timing for us to uh, to see potentially international flights into Newcastle? So in terms of the build, we're, um, the short-stay car park that's adjacent to the airport that everyone would know, that's, that's now being turned into a covered car park. So we're putting in solar cells, um, which will provide about a quarter of the electricity for the the um, airport, which is a really great initiative. Takes a lot of carbon out of the out of the electricity generation. Um, we will then start commence the the terminal build in likely February next year. We'll mm-hmm. start constructing footings, um, and and the old covered car park will be demolished, and then the international processing part of it should be finished in the first part of calendar year 24 uh, and that's and that's around when the runway is finished depending on how much rain delay and all that mm. the project gets with um, um, our weird weather patterns so we're hoping sort of quarter one quarter two calendar year 24 probably quarter two calendar year 24 is when it's available to take international um, those long-haul international and you know, we're, we're trying our best to make sure that as soon as it's ready, we get an airline. Mm. Um, and But it's, you know, that's a long road, road to go with those guys. Um, but we're, we're, we're not leaving any stone unturned. You're not. I mean, you've, uh, you've only returned on, uh, on Monday from uh, the World Roots Conference in the USA. How did that yep. go? Good. Um, it was first conversations with a number of airlines. We, we started now. We've, now we are really, we've got a lot of clarity that we're going to get this in facility. We can have broader conversations. And we started talking with Middle East carriers. Um, there's a, a, quite a lot of traffic from our catchment in and out that goes through to Europe. Mm. And so that can either go through an international hub like Singapore um, or Malaysia, say, or go through the Middle East. Um and the Middle Eastern carriers are really quite interested in what we had, and our, um, because any carrier coming into this catchment is um, un- they've got no competition because uh, the competition is you know driving three hours mm. to Sydney and and you know I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that when I went to the US via Sydney and not taking anything from that airport, but it's just not it's not close. And you've I think we allowed eight hours. We had to leave here eight hours prior mm. to the flight just because of the distances and everyone knows the M1 is kind of can turn into a car park. So You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, carrier starting here. So so they were they were interested in our conversation and want to continue talking and, of course, we're following up with our other sort of Asian carriers and also our, our um, 
Australian domiciled carriers as well. I mean, just the sheer, um, you know, cost savings. I uh, very much the same as you. I, I went to the UK recently, and uh, again had to go via via Sydney. And uh, we elected to go down and stay the night before for exactly mm. that reason. That the M1, you never know what's going to happen on the M1. So you know, there's five hundred dollars that you've spent before you've even left, and uh, you know, then you've got you've got the car ride down, you've got the car ride back. We flew in at nine o'clock on uh, on a Sunday night. By the time we got home to Newcastle, you know, it was eleven thirty and a three hundred dollar car ride later. It is a big impost, and if we can save that money, that's a that's a huge saving and, and such a huge opportunity for not only Newcastle residents and Hunter residents, but of course people coming from Tamworth, from Taree. You've got such a huge catchment there, Peter. Yeah, and sometimes it works flying out of us um, and to Melbourne or uh, Brisbane, mm. and sometimes that works um, and and is is really the best option when you can do it. But like you and I both found, it doesn't work all the time. Um, and believe me, I tried. Um, uh, and I, I did exactly. It took me thirty hours to get back from the US by the time, and wow. a lot of that was that that sort of whole flying through Sydney and mm. the way it went. And I, I got a car ride back like you, but I was I was nodding off to sleep on the car mm. ride back. I wouldn't have wanted to have driven my own car. It wouldn't have been safe. No, which was not another mm. another hotel night. Would have been another hotel night mm. in in Sydney. So. Um, yeah, and it's convenience, and and yeah, it's it's you know it's an amazing place we live in, and people deserve the amenity. I mean, if if you can get that amenity in a big city, why don't we deserve that? I think that's that's really one of the drivers for me yeah, as well. Absolutely. Are you confident? I mean, uh, you know, I I love throwing, flying through Singapore. I'm I'm not a huge fan of flying through uh, through the Arab countries, but. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? As long as we get those those flights, and and potentially, obviously, flying through a Singapore or Malaysia opens up the US as well as Europe. Yeah, and also New Zealand. Um, we're really trying hard to get that new. Uh, we used to until COVID, we had an Auckland leg, and so that's another really um, significant target for us because one, everyone wants you know New Zealand. We've got lots of friends over there, so there's lots of flying back and forth, but. In New Zealand or some of the other carriers, in fact, Qantas now as well, fly out of Auckland into the US. So it's a great way to get to the US. And Auckland Airport does a great, a very easy transfer. Um, so that's another option to get there as well. Um, so, um, you know, we tell our story with confidence mm. because we're very proud of our region and we know we know the potential it's got. And not only potential, but the actuals at the moment. So am I confident? I absolutely go into every conversation mm. um, confident about what, what our proposition is. It's just a matter of other others seeing that and um, understanding that it's the best place to put their aircraft. Because when talking to airlines, they, they might, they're thinking about routes into China, they're thinking about routes into uh, um, other parts of ASEAN countries, they're thinking about all sorts of things they could do with those aircraft globally. Now, the other exciting announcement, uh, while you were away, all of this fun stuff happens while you're away, I don't know. You're, you're as bad as me. You, you go away and all this stuff happens. But um, you, uh, you were quite, uh, quite supportive and excited about uh, Lockheed Martin's plan to open a new R&D uh, D facility at the Williamtown Special Activation Precinct. What will that mean for, uh, for the region? Um, yeah, I mean, the, we've got our, um, our development there, Astra Aero Lab, and we've had estimates of um, anything up to four to five thousand people will will be working in that 
in that facility in terms of um, once it's fully built out in and which is you know uh, some time away mm. but it's it's an aspirational target so these are amazing high quality jobs that are going to be generated here um, and they it, it brings a lot of um, um, ancillary activity so once you st- get someone sort of a, a really globally recognised contractor like Lockheed Martin making commitments to an area then other people come and then you it flows on into the universities and you've got places for local students to to come but also you've got you attract the best talent internationally and again it adds to that global feel for our city and that that real transition to that economic stability with multiple strings to our bow and look, the the, uh, the defence forces up there. I uh, I was at the Newcastle Jets match on Saturday, where you know there was a uh, it was raft round and raft day over uh, mm. over there, and uh, just to see and to hear about the uh, you know the economic input that comes out of out of Williamtown, out of the raft. You know that's that's not even taking in these uh, these side businesses which are, which you are involved with. It really is a powerhouse up there, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it is the premier fighter base for Australia. So I'm not sure people realise that we've got this kind of amazing um, um, Australia-wide and sort of globally significant fighter base in our backyard and, and the people that, you know, are on the local footy, kids' local footy team, you know, the parents might work at RAF and, mm. and be doing amazing things for the country, um, generating lots of economic activity, yes, as well, but they're just um, a group of people that really uh, are passionate and dedicate their lives around... Um, um, defending our country, and it's, it's a really worthwhile, worthwhile thing. So they're yeah. sort of great, great people, but also um, they generate lots of activity. So, and that, that's part of our community. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, uh, as, as we mentioned, you're at the World Roots Conference. Now, I'm assuming by the name of it that uh, that it talks about all of the different roots around the world. What exactly mm. is the World Roots Conference? So it's it's kind of like speed dating for airports and airlines, and it's for <laughs> airports and airports. So um, it's it's literally um, you get a list of everyone else who's going, and you send off meeting requests saying, oh, you know, like we wanted to meet with Changi Airport because we might want to do a city pair um, with them, and numerous other airports, Auckland Airport, because we want to start linking up with them, and then you start talking. You think, well, who are the airlines that have a potential to fly? or might be interested, and then you start sending off meeting requests, and um, and they can either accept or decline, and then other people might say, oh, well, Newcastle, I want to talk to those guys. And, and and so, yeah, and then you get a schedule, and you go into this big hall, and you go to a little table at the allotted time, and you have about a half an hour chat with people. It sounds great. It does sound like speed dating for airlines and airports. It is, it is. You literally get... <laughs> 15 minutes and you've got a pitch so you you know we prepare and think about them and research and then you do your pitch and and then you have a conversation afterwards and gain intel and and the often you'll arrange to then chat again or go visit them in at their, in their home location or <coughs> have yeah, an off-site yeah, so. date that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go to the next level? I wasn't. I wasn't going to go to push that speed dating kind of analogy much more. But yeah, yeah. No, I like it. I think it sounds. Uh, it sounds wonderful. Peter, um, what uh, what does the industry look like at the moment? How is uh, how's air, our airport up there coping? I mean, I know you and I have spoken many times over the past uh, two years. How are we recovering from COVID? Are we starting to look better? Yeah, I mean, we probably hit our peak of pre-COVID around uh, April, we got to about 90%, 100% of pre-COVID numbers. 
uh, and then then um, other participants like the airlines started getting that difficulty with the with you know the um, effect on their staff and the air, and and flow on impacts on airline aircraft availability. So we're we're lacking capacity at the moment. Um, the aircraft the the aircraft are more full than they normally would be, which shows more people are wanting to travel and there's mm-hmm. than there's seats available. Um, I mean, it's it's been pretty well publicised that the on time performance for the airlines isn't isn't what it used to be pre COVID. Yeah, um, we saw quite a jump up in August, but prior prior to that, we were about half the flights were not operating within a, a window that they that said they'd leave. So mm-hmm. you know, on time. Um, but it went, it went up to mid-60s, high-60s uh, over the last couple of months. So it's getting back to where it used to be. Uh, cancellations aren't bad for us. There might be maybe one or two flights a week cancelled, but not a lot. Um, so I think the people from our region want to fly, and that's, they're still wanting to fly. It's just um, it's convincing. The, it's, the airline's having the capability of putting, putting the aircraft in the air and, and you know, up to the terminal. And you're absolutely right. You know, every single flight, every single leg that I had between uh, between Sydney and uh, and London and back again, they were at capacity. They were just full. Mm. They were busting at the seams. So people want to go. They want to travel. We just need more planes. Mm. How did you go with your bag? Did you get your bags lost? I, I, you no, bags, uh, bags took an hour to get off when we got to Heathrow, so you can imagine the heart was oh, having wow. a bit of a palpitation. But no, absolutely no issues with luggage the entire way through. Um, the process was great. We went through Singapore and uh, and it was easy. So, you know, I mean, but then again, you know, you have a look at Sydney Airport and it's still, you know, there's still so much closed down there and, you know, the same at Singapore Airport, there's still so much, much closed. So we are still mm. a, long, a long way from being back at uh, – at full strength. Yeah, and the, uh, I, I obviously have a sort of a look at all the airports and how they're going and all that. And I've noticed so many vacant, you know, um, staff wanted signs, you mm. know, vacant staff vacancy signs. And I know the airports, um, big airports like Sydney, are doing job fairs and um, trying to get more more staff. And the ground handlers need more staff. So um, fingers crossed it. It sort of stabilises, and um, and we can start getting back to that normal level of capacity, and that should hopefully result in a price drop as well. The prices should come down. I hope well, so, Peter. I really hope so. Okay, yeah. The amount uh, the amount I had to pay to uh, I mean, I was lucky. I got my flight back in uh, back in April, May, so it was a decent price and it was a decent flight. But uh, yeah, if I was uh, if I was trying to go to uh, to Heathrow now, it's uh, you know it's double the price. The prices are just out of this world. Yeah, and the fact that people are still travelling just shows how much um, the pent-up demand there still is. Even though the skies have opened up again, people just, yeah, just keen to go get travelling, just meet people and see things, and, you know, I think it's great, though. It's great to just get out of the country. That was my most uh, most exciting thing, to use the passport and get out. It was just so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking. Look, thank you so much for your time. Um, there are, it is really exciting times ahead for Newcastle Airport. And uh, I, for one, I cannot wait to be able to uh, to fly out of there uh, in 2024, hopefully internationally. It's uh, it's going to make such a huge difference to, uh, to this city and this region. And uh, congratulations. Best of luck moving forward. And I can't wait to follow the journey. No, thank you. And, and, and great to speak to you always. Thanks, mate. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye-bye. That is Dr. Peter Cock, who is the CEO of Newcastle Airport. Some really exciting things ahead there, isn't it? Oh, sounds great. Could you imagine? Imagine it. 
by uh, by the middle of 2024 if we can fly out of here internationally that would be just a game changer Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life from what's on to what matters Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines what it is why it matters and how it impacts your daily life Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from 9 on Newcastle Live.